we got the alternative energy. free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome. I'm K.A. Today's Radioactive Show has been produced on the unceded lands of the Wadjuk Noongar. We give our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. This week I'm bringing you a show that really follows on from the recent wonderful Radioactive Show and themes presented by Emma Crunch with Ray Atchison on COVID-19, Divest, Demilitarise and Disarm. On the 23rd of March, the UN Secretary-General appealed for a global ceasefire to help combat the COVID pandemic, citing the ravages of war in destroying health systems and displacing vulnerable people. Many people around the world are supporting his call. In Australia, the Medical Association for Prevention of War has identified steps that Australia could take in promoting healthcare, not warfare, and IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, is inviting support for its statement. Prioritising health and healthcare would not only mean more jobs and timely access to healthcare for millions of Australians and others who currently miss out. It would also necessarily focus our attention in the post-COVID world on the two biggest global health threats, nuclear weapons and climate change. Preventative action on both is urgently needed. The 3CR Wednesday Breakfast Show has wonderfully shared with us when they spoke to Annette Brownlee, chairperson from IPAN, and Dr Sue Wareham, president of the Medical Association for Prevention of War, on the people's call for healthcare, not warfare. The Independent and Peaceful Australian Network, otherwise known as IPAN, is a national network of more than 50 members and supporting organisations that work towards putting pressure for change in the hopes of a truly independent foreign policy in Australia. IPAN, with the help of the Medical Association of Prevention of War, has recently released a media statement calling for the Australian government to stop spending billions on warfare and to instead put healthcare first. On Saturday, IPAN published a national statement calling on the government to stop investing in unjust US-led wars and to instead invest in the health and safety in its, of its own people as a priority. They are also calling the Australian government to stop funneling billions of dollars into offensive weapons, with the Australian government being one of the largest importers of US arms of both commercial and government origin in the world. Scott Morrison is aligned with the idea of, quote, taking whatever actions are necessary to protect Australia, aiding allied military bases in countries such as Iraq and Iran. The 2016 Australian Defence White Paper committed to increasing Australian defence spending to 2% GDP by 2021. Joining us today on the show, we have Annette Brownlee, Chairperson at IPAN, and Dr Sue Wareham, Director of the Medical Association of Prevention of War. Thanks for coming on the show today, Sue and Annette. So in light of IPAN's recent media statement, IPAN is calling on Australian Defence Minister Linda Reynolds to re- reconsider her decision to allow the rotation of US Marines to Darwin this year after she previously decided to postpone, especially with the strict international border limits imposed by the Commonwealth due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This rotation will happen later this year, but it's still wanted to go ahead. Annette, you commented in the statement, as Australia reels from the massive social and economic impacts of the COVID-19 crisis, we call on the Morrison government to immediately halt this year's annual rotation of US soldiers through Darwin. 
Annette, do you think there's any chance that the government will cease the rotation of US soldiers in Darwin completely? Or is it just, uh, is it just going to be put on hold, do you think, until the pandemic is reduced? Well, from what Linda Reynolds has said, that it will go ahead later on in the year. She hasn't given a particular date, um, but we would still be calling for that um, uh, entry of US personnel to, uh, to not happen. I, it's very clear that um, around, the, um, around the world, really, in amongst the 800 of the United States that the United States has, that there are, have been outbreaks um, uh, amongst their personnel. So despite the fact that she said they would um, adhere to the two weeks quarantine, um, we still think that it should not go ahead in the interests of Australians uh, in relation to uh, cross-infection or in, in introduction of infection. But obviously, as a, as a body, as a network of organisations that opposes the uh, rotation happening at all, we would like to see see the agreement uh, torn up and for that um, training not to happen at all. Definitely. And have you actually yeah. heard anything back from Linda Reynolds? Yeah, we did get a letter back from her um, in uh, answer uh, and it really very little of substance in it other than to reaffirm their position. Well, that was sort of expected, I guess, but, you know, you've got to keep pushing on. Um, Dr. Yeah. Uh, Sue, um, by halting the annual rotation this year, it would be aiding the cause of a more peaceful and independent foreign policy, as you so strive to create. Um, this also creates a more peaceful global society, um, with the call by the UN for a global ceasefire by Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Um, this is great for the international community, but how do you think this, if we were able to do this, this will assist in Australia, assist Australia in its more local fight against COVID? Do you think it will make a massive difference if we stopped sort of putting our interests into, into other sectors other than health? I think it would make a, a big difference if Australia decided to focus away from warfare and onto healthcare, and if we took a really global look at these things, and you mentioned uh, just the UN Secretary General's call for a global ceasefire, which was very, very welcome. It was welcomed by a lot of people around the globe. It was an extremely important call, and um, it would be really good if the Australian government would decide to support that with something of substance, and something of substance would be pulling back on our own military efforts at the moment and the example of uh, the Marines come, whether they come into Darwin or not, that would be that would be a good place to start. In addition to uh, being another step towards keeping uh, COVID out of Australia, possibly, it would really be an indication that Australia wants to turn away from militarism and focus on health for all the world's people, not just for ourselves, but for all the world's people. The example of the... Um, RIMPAC, RIM of the Pacific Exercises, is another one where Australia could say, no, we're not going to take part in these. Um, but uh, thus far, we haven't heard a decision on that particular issue either. Okay, and do you think that um, your, both of your organisations will take a step to fight that <laughs> if that um, decision is to continue that program? Yes. Um, I... Uh, I know that MAPW Medical Association for Prevention of War has written to the Minister um, stating that we believe uh, 
Australia should not take part in RIMPAC. In fact, the whole RIMPAC exercises themselves should not go ahead. The, a lot of people in the Hawaii, Hawaii Islands where the exercises are conducted don't want the exercises there. So um, that, would, that would be an additional strong signal um, from Australia towards the cause of peace rather than military efforts which are clearly aimed at China. Definitely. Yes, um, that's something that we have also written to the minister and encourage people to to ring into her uh, offices and, and and really urge her to make an announcement because although the RIMPAC exercises have been sort of modified, is the word they use, so that there was less um, on land, uh, the um, they, they are going ahead and our own defence minister has yet to indicate or tell us whether Australia is going to participate in those. So, you know, I, I don't think that's that's a good thing that she's withholding that information. Yeah, and I think that's that also leads into my next sort of question about sort of human rights and freedom of speech. We The public needs to be alert and not have knowledge of the decisions that the, our government is making. Um, I'm putting this question to both of you again. Um, do you think that not bringing our forces back home to Australia is sort of a form of a breach of human rights? And how severe do you think this inaction really is, like not bringing our forces home? And for one, A, being that they are obviously over there when they should not be, and B, because we need to be putting all of our expenditures into the health of Australia at the moment. Certainly the human rights issue is an important one and it links... um, Clearly, with the issue of transparency, which Annette has has referred to, um, I, I guess I'd say in response that um, military actions generally bring in a, a whole vast range of human human rights issues, and this is um, and the right to health is is just one of them, and the and the fact that military actions um, everywhere impacts on, on people's right to to health and health care. Um, but the issue of transparency as part of that um, is a really important one too. And it's a huge issue in Australia where issues around um, so-called defence and security really lack transparency in, in a big, severe way. And even the decision as to where Australian existence is not made transparently, transparently it's not open to scrutiny. So big issues around what the Australian people are told and not told and big issues about the impact of military activity on healthcare, um, which is not discussed. Yeah, I, I guess what comes to my mind when I think about um, the impact of, uh, uh, in relation to human rights is the, is the, the rights of children uh, in wars that we are in. Um, in a in in a well in a roundabout way, we are supporting the war in Yemen, where so many hundreds of thousands of children and people in Yemen have been so badly affected by the war which is waged by Saudi Arabia, and that Australia continues to sell arms to. Uh, IPAN is part of the um, as is MAPW part of the Australian Arms Con- Control Coalition coalition of organisations that um, have worked quite um, quite hard over the last six months to highlight the uh, 
well, you know, the questionably illegal um, export of arms, uh, Australian arms, to Saudi Arabia that end up uh, killing people in Yemen. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think people need to, I think it's often quite easy to forget that, yes, we, people accept, may come easily to accept that, yes, we are undergoing the purchasing and selling of arms, but it's where it goes is the issue. And I think that's what a lot of people may not remember. Um, my next question is, it may be very short, a very short one. Um, do you think there are any negatives at all with withdrawing as an, um, as a supporter of this sort of, uh, uh, supporting of the US and military and weaponry at all. Are there any negatives? Yes, I think there must be positives. Um, I guess it's it's the uh, it's the thinking of most Australians still that we need the United States to protect us. Mm. Now, that that's the biggest roadblock really to to change because that is embedded through extensive efforts by uh, the, um, the, the, those that, that, that um, benefit from that uh, to, to, to have this belief in the Australian population that we are a vulnerable nation and we need the United States big military to protect us. Well, I think that that needs to be challenged. That narrative does. It's, I think that's embedded in a lot of people's um, minds, especially um, perhaps not limited to, but the older generation that is, like, given this sort of quite narrow-skewed um, media, you know, narrative of that. Sue, did you have anything to add? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't quite ca- catch the question. It still need to be edited. Um, so the question was about whether there are any negative aspects to a alliance. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um <coughs> The, um, I'd say in answer to that question that um, overall Australia, as as IPAN and MAPW uh, make this point quite clearly, Australia needs a more independent policy and that overall, overwhelmingly, would be to the benefit of Australia and the global community. One area I'll mention which some commentators raise um, is that there's a belief that if Australia were to pull back from the alliance in any way, then we Australians would need to spend more on our own defence. But that doesn't necessarily follow because we would only need to spend more on our own defence if we wanted to keep up the same really aggressive sort of posture towards the rest of the world and in particular towards China. But if we... um, decided to spend more on our diplomacy and more on uh, other ways of building good relationships, then it doesn't necessarily follow that we would we would still need to have the same um, ag- aggressively strong military posture towards the rest of the world. Yeah, it seems that there are a lot of different roads that we can take to be able to afford to drop from this alliance, or not drop, drop from this alliance within the form of weaponry and military aid. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. On today's show, we're listening to Annette Brownlee, Chairperson of IPAN, and Dr Sue Wareham, the President of the Medical Association of Prevention of War, 
on the recent national statement released to endorse the UN Secretary appeal for a global ceasefire amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Both you, Sue and Annette, um, you've touched on the issue that this is a matter of priorities, um, making the statement that prioritising um, it would also necess- it would also necessarily focus our attention in the post-COVID world um, and onto the two biggest global health threats, nuclear weapons and climate change. Um, preventative action on both is urgently needed. Um, you also spoke of the Australia's immediate priorities should be providing support for millions of people facing unemployment, homelessness and poverty um, during the national disasters of coronavirus, the climate crisis, droughts and bushfires, rather than supporting the unjust US-led wars. Um, how do you think the government should best go about, if, if you, in the perfect world where you could have some, a lot more influence on the government, um, how do you think the government should best go about focusing on any of these issues, whether they're more local or on a global scale, um, nuclear weapons, climate change or natural disasters? How do you think they should go about it? I think the first step would be for the Australian government to decide on that key issue of priorities because before we do anything we need to work out what are the most important things to us as a nation so i think to actually have explicit um, declaration that health is our key priority or at least uh, up there among the top three priorities rather than military expenditure being uh, and so-called defense and security being being a top priority so i think it's a matter of explicitly stating that this is this is what we we want as a nation mm-hmm. um, and then a whole lot of other things would follow and as you mentioned jess the the issue of prevention of were um, in fact what are worse worse threats in the future mm-hmm. um, and the two biggest ones being nuclear weapons and climate change. And if our focus is on the health, then we can't escape from addressing those things and from putting in place a whole raft of actions, which would be, well, in relation to nuclear weapons, we'd be stating that these weapons must um, must all be eliminated. We don't want to be so-called protected by them. And Australia could could and should sign the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, the Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty, and on climate change, the, the responses there, they've, um, they're pretty well known that it's basically we need to drastically cut our carbon emissions, we need to stop supporting the polluting industries, um, and we need to fastly transition to a renewable future. So there are a whole range of things that need to be done, and uh, the answers are there. It's just a matter of the government committing to them. Definitely. Um, I will actually stop that question there, Annette. I'll get you to answer one more just because we are running out of time. Um, we spoke before about the national public inquiry into the cost and consequence in the US. Um, we were talking before about other than DFAT, this will be the first time that this inquiry is done. Would you just like to give our listeners a quick background of that and how we can get involved? Yeah, sure. Um, it's an upcoming um, we're in preparation for the uh, a national inquiry into the costs and consequences of um, Australia's involvement in U- largely US-led wars, and that then turns into a public inquiry into the uh, US-Australia alliance. So th- I think this is just really timely. Um, more and more people are looking at just what this is costing us and what consequences there are for everyday Australians in this uh, ultra-close, sycophantic relationship with the United States where we just don't question anything. 
It affects us economically. It affects us in our relationships with our neighbouring countries. It affects us in our ability to negotiate and have the benefits of working with people around the world, whether it's working with China on COVID or the whole international community on climate change. These are some of the areas that are impacted by us so blindly sticking with the United States, whether it's at the United Nations or whatever. So what we aim to do is to have um, uh, news of the inquiry um, out there in the next couple of months, and we'll be encouraging people, individuals, organisations to put in submissions about their own situation in relation to this close relationship that we have with the United States. So, you know, anything from people um, who are being denied adequate funding for domestic violence refuges through to um, returning troops coming back to Australia from these wars with PTSD, wars that we should never have been involved in. And, you know, we're living with the consequences for those people as well. So more news will be coming about this uh, inquiry in the next uh, couple of months. Great. Thank you so much for that update. Um, we'll definitely put that in the link when, once we've done the rundown for this show um, so our viewers can get more information on that. But thank you both for joining us on the show today. Thanks to the 3CR program Wednesday Breakfast Show who recorded and spoke to Sue and Annette for those excellent interviews. Reiterating Dr Sue Wareham's words, healthcare is a basic human right and reminds us that we are humans have common interests and common needs. It should be a global priority, not only now, but in the post-COVID world. And yet, data released on the 27th of April from the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute indicate a world heavily focused on warfare, the antithesis of healthcare. The Stockholm International Peace Research Institute reported that global military spending last year was $1,917 billion, which represented the largest annual increase since 2010. Lost again, another cry. I'll pretend to be
recap the highlights from today's show and the interview, there are a number of steps that IPAN and MAPWA are calling for. They'd like to see Australia cease our involvement in wars of choice. The war on terror has had a devastating impact on the health of civilian people and made us less secure. It is time for Australia's involvement to end. Australia's military budget for 2019-2020 is $38.7 billion which is nearly $106 million every day. The war in Afghanistan has cost Australia approximately $10 billion so far. Australia needs to stop profiteering from wars. Australia exports arms to nations that are ravaged by armed violence or are contributing to war-induced humanitarian disasters, including the countries bombing Yemen. With our economic interests vested in war, Australia has little incentive to work for peace. We need to stop sanctions and blockades that impede health care. Economic sanctions can have a severe impact on the delivery of health care for civilian populations. Currently in Iran, embargoes on medical aid are disrupting the nation's response to the COVID disaster. Such obstructions to the delivery of health care should be lifted immediately and Australia must do all that is possible to achieve this outcome. Australia needs to restore its overseas aid. Poverty reduces a community's capacity to manage health crisis. Australia's aid to help poverty-stricken communities has never been lower. This is a national disgrace which must be reversed. We need to promote cooperation. Australia must consistently uphold human rights as a further step towards health for all. Australia needs to address looming health threats that are far worse than COVID. Urgent preventative action is needed to address the two greatest threats to human health and survival, nuclear weapons and climate change. Measures to address both are available but have been largely shunned by the Australian government. Our true security is derived from health, equity, solidarity and self-determination. Nuclear weapons must be abolished to ensure a safer, healthier world for all and climate action is imperative. The seventh step that Australia could take in support of health for all underpins all of the above. It is an explicit endorsement of health care over warfare. And I'll leave you with the words of Dr Sue Wareham, who had an excellent article in the Canberra Times published this week. I quote, Coronavirus reminds us that another way, cooperation, rather than confrontation, is not only possible, but also in our own interests. Unlike COVID-19, there would be no recovery from a nuclear war. 
just as there would be no turning back from runaway climate change. There are reasons for hope. Catastrophic events seem impossible until they happen. But so too does cooperation in a seemingly hostile world. And unlike COVID-19, roadmaps for getting rid of nuclear weapons and for addressing climate change are ready to go. We're not waiting for a vaccine, but simply for governments, including our own, to learn that consistent, authoritative, increasingly alarm warnings require urgent action. I strongly recommend you visit the website of IPAN and sign on to endorse Healthcare Not Warfare statement. Go to www.ipan.org.au forward slash healthcare underscore not underscore warfare. MAPWA has an excellent website full of good resources. Go to www.mapw.org.au. And that's all we have time for today. Thanks a million to the 3CR Wednesday Breakfast Show for sharing the interviews you heard from Annette Brownlee, Chairperson from IPAN, and Dr Sue Wareham, President of the Medical Association for Prevention of War. You have been listening to the Radioactive Show broadcast on 3CR Community Radio and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. The music you've been listening to on today's show has been by Stella Donnelly, her song Grey from the Thrush Metal album. Thanks to the Ace Collective of Friends of the Earth for their support of our show. You can podcast the Radioactive Show on 3cr.org.au and find it under Programs Radioactive. I'm KA. Thanks for listening. And here's to Australia taking action on healthcare, not warfare. Tune in next week for more news, views on nuclear peace and energy issues.